Well, another non-Bruin senior is making his way to the NFL draft after a report came out yesterday confirming this. We'll debate this decision, what perhaps led to him heading on to the pros and pontificate about all of that. But first, I want to welcome you in. This is Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley, your host. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Fenley. You can always email the show, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And if you know how to work a mouse, you know how to work a computer, then it should not be difficult to operate where the cursor is and hit that subscribe button, become a regular follower of the show, become entertained, become informed, and become a true Bruin fan. And then if you do like what you're hearing, you can always give us five stars on the review there, and I will be eternally grateful. So... As far as what you can expect on this episode, there was another Bruin, as I said, who is going to be wooed to the NFL draft and is making his way to the pros. We'll get into all of that. Plus, the women's basketball team. You know, I I feel bad because they deserve a lot more love on this podcast channel from the basis that they're absolutely killing it out there on the hardwood right now. If you haven't been able to follow what they've done recently, they are 14-0 and on the season. They are ranked top 10 nationally. If you ever have an open Sunday or a Friday during the Pac-12 schedule that is upon us now, you got to make yourself available to get to Poly Pavilion and watch one of their games. They're so well coached. And I want to bring up a couple key pieces as to why I think they're playing so well and why I think that their mindset collectively as a team, their psyche, is going to benefit them in a big way as March creeps up to us. But let's begin with football. We'll set the line of scrimmage there for our first segment. And look, I talked about this a couple days ago. Devin Asiasi was another UCLA player who had some eligibility left, who felt the need and felt... The opportunity was available and that it was going to be in his best interest to make the NFL draft. Obviously, Devin Asiasi was an incredible talent that skyrocketed as far as his stats and yards and catches production at the end of last year. At the end of last year, I kind of called it like a bell curve, like it started out kind of slow and then it just shot right up as far as his effect and impact on this team and on the passing game. So now another one has come up, and it's Darnay Holmes. And there was a a note that came out by a Bruin report yesterday confirming this. However, I had pointed out a couple days ago, or excuse me, a couple weeks ago on the Bruin Insider Show, which I do with Tracy Murray and Nick Cope. And by the way, that's going to be on today from 5 to 6 p.m. on UCLABruins.com. Or if you're driving around Los Angeles, it'll be on AM 570 from 7 to 8 p.m. today on Tuesday. But going back to a couple weeks ago, I was on Twitter and I noticed that there was a tweet out that said from the Senior Bowl that announced Darnay Holmes had accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. And obviously the Senior Bowl is a a canvas for players who are no longer 
interested in playing in college, you know, whether they've exhausted their eligibility or whatnot, and are ready to get more attention in front of NFL scouts. Donnie Holmes, while he is technically, as far as his playing eligibility, has another year, he I, I reportedly saw that, that he's already graduated. So he's already got a degree, and this makes the best interest in terms of it would work best for him. Now, I want to discuss if we were to go inside his mind here and what led to this, because, you know, I feel like when I first heard this news, I'm like, all right, Darde, I understand what you're doing here. However, I think that, and this is not just me being a selfish Bruin fan, but that you would have benefited from another year of being with the program. And, and look, I, you had a couple great years. Freshman year was, you know, you were a stud and, and sophomore year. And junior year wasn't, you know, maybe where we thought and we know that you're capable of playing at. So I thought, like, if you go back to school for your senior year, you're going to blossom and flourish. And I think you would only bolster your draft stock. Obviously, he was not listening to me, but what he was listening to was was his family, his friends. And, you know, you can imagine a decision of this magnitude is, is not something that's made on a whim. You know, th- these are guys that are deliberating over this in their minds with their family and friends for days and weeks and months and years and trying to pick out when is the right time to make this happen. And if we were to understand perhaps why now, there's a couple different reasons that I could see why. One being, first of all, he's healthy. Okay, you know, you've heard the horror stories of players who felt, ah, you know, if I come back for another year, I love college, you know, I love the atmosphere and being a college student, you know, maybe I can improve my my draft grade by coming back another year. And then, you know, some of those guys, unfortunately, they take that risk and they get injured and their draft stock plummets and you honestly lose money. You know, if you think about it, because in, in the in the sense of all this is, you know, there's an opportunity to make a living here and beyond. And right now, Darnie Holmes is healthy. And you certainly know that if he came back, he would have a great season. But who can predict if you're going to get injured or not? And if you do get injured or not, how severe is it going to be? I mean, football brings that uncertainty that is a bit, you know, discomforting, disconcerting, if you will. And so from that perspective, I can see why Darnie Holmes decided to make the move. There was also a note from Bruin Report yesterday that said that he had gotten Darnay Holmes a draft grade of being projected to, to make a selection or a team would select him in the third round or better. So if you think about that, obviously there's seven rounds, that that's a pretty comfortable like lock-in. Like if, if that's if he's getting good information, then I I can see why he would think to himself, all right, I'm in a pretty good spot right here. I'm not taking a big risk by not being drafted. And that would make sense. There is also the sense that UCLA is looking for a new defensive backs coach. And Darnie Holmes has dealt with a couple different DB coaches. 
and a couple different head coaches. And so you think about it from a perspective, okay, he's going into, or he would have gone into his senior year. How much anxiety might he have had in terms of having to have a new position coach as a senior? Would that be a detriment to him? Because he would then have to learn a new you know, coaching style from that position group. And did he feel that if he had to throw himself in and learn something new all over again, or a new system or, or, or parts of or a new teaching style, that the growing pains would have been a hindrance to him in his potential on the field. So think about it like that, because... You know, he's had to weather through coaching changes. And as you know, as a follower of college football, you know, when you make coaching changes, obviously there's a reason that there's not the productivity that is expected of a certain team. But just because you make the coaching changes, you know, that has an effect on players because, you know, some of these players at certain position groups have had to learn from different position group coaches every single year. And so when Chip Kelly talks about, you know, religiously repetition, 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 that is all fine and dandy and what you want. But if you're if you're cycling through different position coaches while you are gaining experience as a football player, there is also that argument that maybe when you have a new coach in there, a position coach, that it would stunt your growth or it would change the trajectory of your potential. You know, these are just certain ideas I throw out there. So Paul Rhodes, the DB coach for UCLA, took the job as the defensive coordinator at Arizona. And basically the Wildcats did a, a, a clean house job on their defensive staff. The only one they brought back was Demetrius Martin, who, by the way, funny enough, was a former UCLA DB coach. So Paul Rhodes is going to shuffle his way over to Arizona. And so now that leaves an opening for a new DB coach. And at that point in his career, Darnie Holmes decided, you know, is it really worth it? Or do I feel comfortable enough in myself, in my talents right now, to, to show that I'm NFL-ready and NFL caliber. We're going to miss him. I, I tell you what, man, I'm going to miss this guy's talent. He was a special player. And so when you think about his departure, then that brings up the discussion, well, what's coming back? You know, obviously there are going to be some guys that Chip Kelly brings in the secondary with this new recruiting class that he'll help put together by National Signing Day and whatnot, but there are some returnees that are obviously coming back and who are going to, you're going to hear their names called a lot next season, you know, from Stephen Blaylock and, you know, his ability to, to step up. He, through the first 11 games, led the defense in tackles, and he had 25 tackles during that Bruin three-game win streak. And he talked about his communication skills around the field are much better and that getting more reps have helped with that. And then you think about other guys who are going to, based on how they were utilized at the end of last year, are going to see the field a ton. Like guys like Rayshad Williams, Jay Shaw, Elijah Guidry, 
And I, I don't know if you follow Jay Shaw on Twitter, but he's a, he's a confident guy. And, and you know, I, 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 being around some of these guys from covering high school football and in college football and used to cover Ole Miss football and Memphis, University of Memphis football when I lived in the Mid-South. And, you know, you think about position groups and which one of them, you know, they talk the most trash. Well, the secondary has got to be, you know, the leader in the clubhouse. Like these guys are, I almost feel like it's part of your defense. It's part of your shtick is you have to talk trash because that's a way to psych out your opponent, right? But, you know, you, you, know, you, you follow these guys on Twitter, and, and Jay Shaw, you know, I'm hoping that this happens. You know, I, I, I am. But he, he proclaimed, he said, quote, proclaiming myself as the next best defensive back to come out of the Pac-12, just in case y'all was wondering who was there to watch next season, LOL. Hey, I hope he is absolutely spot on with that assessment because he knows it's his turn now this is his show and with the likes of Rashad Williams and Elijah Gidry and you shuffle in some other guys Shamar Martin and whatnot there are going to be some question marks in the secondary but it'll be very fascinating to see how all of this gels once we get that DB coach and as soon as we do Rest assured, we'll be talking about it on this podcast. You know, we're also going to talk about on this particular episode is the women's basketball team. They have been thriving this year, and we'll give them some love here. Believe it or not, there are only four, as of Sunday, there are only four undefeated, non-beaten teams remaining in Division I women's basketball. If we're talking about that stat, can you guess who one of those teams is? UCLA. Also UConn, NC State, and Oregon State. The Bruins, over the weekend, took down number 18 Arizona. A team that came in, by the way, with like a 20-game or 19-game winning streak or something like that. UCLA... Improved to 14-0 on the season, surpassing what was their best start to a season, which was previously 12-0, which they had held that mark since I think it was the 1980-81 season. So they have topped that and now have, on top of that, a 12-game winning streak at home and have won six straight. If you go and you date back to last year, have won six straight in the Pac-12. UCLA... Number 10 in the nation in last week's AP Top 25 poll. They beat Arizona 70-58. to 58. And how are they doing this? How is UCLA pulling off all of these wins? A couple different reasons. First of all, the bench scoring. They are young. They're undersized. But they have a deep bench. And that's a, a credit to the recruiting prowess that head coach Corey Close has done. I mean, bringing in some freshmen that are instant impact players right now. And not only are they getting playing time, 
But it's almost like you watch them, and they're so sound on defense, you can't even believe that they're freshmen. I mean, you, you just can't. I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling, and part of it is because of the coaching, but it's also because of how well they were coached coming into college and how high of recruits they were. For one, UCLA bench scoring outproduced the Wildcats 22-3. 22 to 3 in that game alone. And the Bruins were lethal from three point territory, as that has become a very instrumental and significant part of how they operate as an offense. The three point shot has been humongous. In that game against the Wildcats, Chantel Horvat. Speaking of coming off the bench, she was a reserve, and she logged her first career double-double, had 10 points, career high, 10 rebounds. I talked about the freshman. One of them who has just been playing beyond her years is Charisma Osborne. She goes into double-figure scoring in that game for what was the seventh time this season and the third straight game with... 10 points. So there was this growing sense that this team was going to be really, really good. I don't know how many people thought that they were going to be this good right now. And Corey Close, their head coach, has done a magnificent job with this program. And, you know, she's never braggadocious. She's very humble when she takes the podium and during these post-game press conferences. But at the same time, she understands that the more this team wins, the more attention they're going to get from you know, the college basketball universe, media outlets and whatnot. And she finds that it's imperative for her team because she thinks that you know this is going to help grow the game. The more attention on her team, and her players is going to help inspire, in her words, young girls to play this game, to pick it up, and to be role models for this next generation of collegiate women's basketball players. I love Corey Close and her usage of different acronyms to use it as teaching. She brought something up in a, in a recent win where it was... E plus M, no, excuse me, E plus R equals O. Okay, and this is something that she teaches and preaches to her players. E plus R plus O, or excuse me, excuse me. E plus R equals O. Okay, what does that mean? So E for her stands for events. You know, what comes in front of you. The R is how you respond to it. So she says the events plus the response to those events equates to O, the outcome. So it's not E equals MC squared. It is E plus R equals O. And that sort of simple, watered down, but very easy-to-understand frame of mind has been 
very successful in terms of, of kind of teaching these players how to you know battle through adversity and win games and never find a way to to get down on themselves and, and keep fighting and you know you 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 wonder how much confidence you know as a freshman you have because this is a big freshman class that came in but the the way in which Corey Close uses these these formulas and these little mantras and mottos these are things that stick in 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 a youngster's brain and I, and I think that they go a long way you know some people could say well oh, I mean come on now what you? these things are are valuable teaching tools and you could obviously tell that the team is listening to her. Michaela Onyenwere is their star. What has been acknowledged about her, teams know that she is the best player on UCLA. You throw a double team, you throw a triple team at her, it doesn't matter. She still finds a way to get to the cup and score. And that's, I think, what's really the most impressive part of her is that now it's it, it was it was enthralling to see what she was able to do when teams were adjusting to like how good she was now everybody knows how good she is and they still can't stop her against Arizona as we talked about that game just a moment ago she had her fourth double double of the season 20th of her career 18 points and 13 rebounds those 13 boards tied for a season high and the Bruins will go on the road and take on Utah on January 10th and there you go after you opened up Pac-12 play at home with two wins now the Bruins are going to get battle tested on the road it'll be interesting to see how this team shapes up for the men's side of things they will have their Pac-12 home opener on Saturday. They're going to take on USC. And as of a couple hours ago, Josh Rebholtz, who is very high up the pecking order for UCLA Athletics, he tweeted out that there are less than 1,000 tickets available for that game against the Trojans. So I'm sure it's going to really round up to being a potential sell out it'll be a great atmosphere i know the players will love it and speaking of players and i teased this at the beginning of the show one star player who basically burst onto the scene last year is going to be on this podcast tomorrow jake kyman is going to be on we're going to have an interview with him on the Bruin Insider Show, and we are also going to bring him on for this show afterwards. So, tons of things I'm going to ask him from when was the last time he nailed seven threes in a game, and we're going to have a lot of fun with this interview with Jake Kyman, a freshman who has become that sharpshooter that UCLA is dying to have on that team right now because they have been a bit lacking when it comes to scoring from the perimeter. So that is to look forward to tomorrow. And as we move on and get closer to the end of the week, we'll obviously begin to scout out USC where they are going to be the most difficult to 
you know, to stop and areas in which UCLA has what it takes to dissect and hopefully take down their crosstown rival. So, so much to get to. Hope you're having a great week so far. Don't forget, also today, like I said earlier, from 5 to 6 on UCLABruins.com, I will be co-hosting the Bruin Insider Show. That is back in at back at and at it with Tracy Murray and Nick Cope. And then you can always go online and check that out in the archive if you miss it. And then if you're driving around Los Angeles, 7 to 8 p.m. tomorrow, or excuse me, today, Tuesday, they will re-air the Bruin Insider Show. And so we'll have a ton of basketball to discuss. You're not going to want to miss it. Thanks again for your time. I'll talk to you soon. I'm Brian Fenley.